You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, we're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. I am Jose Youngs. I am back from Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas last week for UFC 260 and all the knockout festivities. Joining us this week, fresh off his win, he's a little beat up. He's in a food coma, apparently. Apparently, beating his body weight in Twizzlers. Jordy Torres. Do the same. But this is all time. Both myself and Calvin Gaspar. So I'm just. Oh, man, it's so hard to breathe in. Well, did you did you hear any of that, Jose? I heard Kelvin Gastelum, and he sounded like a robot. Right. Okay. Okay. So, oh, is is my Wi-Fi that bad? <laughs> right when we go live, it was working fine, Literally, like five yeah. seconds ago. Yeah. All right. We'll, yeah, we'll that, try. That, that sounds like my luck. We'll try. We best. can hear you now, though. We just you're frozen, but we can hear you, which is more important because nah, no one, no one needs to see me. They just need to see the fat face. They they can get confused. Either that's me or Calvin Gaslam. You know, my my laptop right now is stacked with a Frosted Flakes cereal box because this table's <laughs> for some reason even for me too low, and I'm breathing very very heavily because of the food coma. Like my my pant button is just I'm it's struggling right now. I'm having a hard time here. <laughs> Out of fight camp, Shorty Torres. And it's actually perfect because we can hear you crisply, but you're frozen and you just have this big smile on your face. And that's where it's frozen at right now. So it's pretty perfect. That that really that's really just kind of idolizing what I am right now is just fat and happy. And I was perfectly there you go. Positive thinking. Anyway, Casey on the ones and twos. Casey, are you getting your second vaccine out here? Uh yes, sir. Uh as soon as we wrap up with this. 
shoot over down to the street and um they put a big needle in, I, I guess my butt i don't know where it goes and then uh yeah and then occasionally i'm supposed to, I'm supposed to get sick for a couple of days and then i'm good to go and then everyone can rub up and sweat on me and get out and i don't know we can all spit on each other again that's that's what we were doing before that's normal is that your right? birthday is that your birthday balloon behind you oh yeah yeah um when I when I checked into the hotel, I got they came, it came with this cool. Hey, <laughs> you're number one. Number one, there baby. So it's such a confidence awesome, booster. Man. I know. So I mean, so apparently this hotel is like just full of like Vegas spring breakers. So um, as mm. long as long as I don't oh, yeah. as long as I don't get COVID in this room, I should be good to go before my. <laughs> oh yeah i mean I, I, was... I made it a whole year without getting it and yeah <laughs> yeah when i like the spring breaker thing is a nightmare i went to that jake paul basket press conference in las vegas last week you'd have no idea there was a pandemic going on <laughs> you would have absolutely no idea people are walking around in swimsuits just like coughing and breathing on each other standing shoulder to shoulder it's a whole nightmare but anyway we'll get to questions in a second shorty how was your win how was your fight oh, yeah. you got a little bit of a black eye you got going right there I got, I have two of them. It just so happens that I still don't know how to move my head. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just one of those guys, man, that I just, you know, it was a last minute opponent, Blaine O'Driscoll. And he was like, I, I got too prideful. He's like, you're going to shoot first. Watch. Cause you're the wrestler. I was like, bet I won't shoot at all. <laughs> and I decided just <laughs> to take a bunch of shots. And then I was finally, you know, the adrenaline kicked in. I'm a slow starter and started retaliating. And then he shot first. And then after that, I was like, ha fair game. Now I get to shoot, and I wrestle him no problem after that. But then after the fight, I, I broke his nose, and so he's getting stitches on his nose, and I'm being rolled in with the wheelchair back to, to check my foot because I tore ligament in my right leg, and I took a crap ton of calf kicks. Uh, so, you know, long story short, you know, maybe you should move away from calf kicks because they really, really suck. Um, like, that's the pandemic in MMA right now, or calf kicks. Like, it's just it's <laughs> yeah, sad. But, calf kicks are kind of taking over. Yeah, and I try to do it too, and I'm like, I know I landed just as many. He just landed harder, but he there's like a little divider because he's on the other side getting his nose stitched. And I was like, Hey, Blaine, yeah, I just want to say, you shot first. And he just starts laughing. I was like, Yeah, it's, hey man, this, <laughs> this is part of the game, man. You, he's gotta have fun. It's, it's all respect, and uh, yeah, it was just a good time. It was a good battle. That's funny. When's your, so when's your next fight after that now? So I'm hoping in July. It just really depends on the pandemic. Again, you know, I was supposed to originally fight April 1st, and then my mm -hmm. opponent couldn't take the fight. He said he needed to fight March 25th. I talked to Brave. They're like, we're not trying to give you an ultimatum, but one, we're not going to have a fight until after Ramadan, so that's at the end of May. And then two, it's not going to be in Bahrain. It's going to be in whatever country, and that's not a guarantee that the country is going to let you in. Originally, I was supposed to fight December and January in Russia, and both times the country's like, sorry, man, we're not letting Americans in. So there are travel bans against Americans in certain you know parts of the world, Europe, Russia. So it's kind of you have to take the opportunity when it's given to you. So I'm hoping in July. It just really depends on the pandemic, this possible new strain, the vaccines and, and whatever the case may be when it comes to the new rules in different nations. But tomorrow is for people who don't know, and Brave TV is 100% free now worldwide, bravecftv.com, which is so dope for any pay-per-view event to be like, you know what, we're just going to have it free. This is their 50th event. Two of the guys are Zach Mikowski versus Valley Morad. This is, they went to a split decision the first time Zach Mikowski won. 
it's pretty much a Sambo world champ versus a highly touted UFC veteran in Zach Mikowski. That's a rematch to see who's going to make it to the finals. And then on the other side is Ali Bagotinov versus Dustin Ortiz. Both of them highly touted UFC veterans. Yeah. I believe one was a title contender. Dustin never, I don't believe, ever made it to the title contender no. shot. But, I mean, he fought the likes of Joseph Benavidez, Zach Mikowski, and so many more guys. So this is... This is a high caliber fight, and that's my next, you know, matchup. So whoever wins between Zach Mikowski and Ali, or excuse me, Zach uh, uh, Dustin Ortiz and Ali, is my next matchup, and I'll be commentating there, watching literally front row. I hope I get some blood on myself and uh, just have a good time, man. It's it's gonna be a really good show. Where are you right now? Again, to tell, to tell everyone. I'm I'm in the Kingdom of Bahrain. Shoo. I've literally work? been here for for a month because because when I found out my my fight got moved early. I was like, well, uh, my coach, Dean Thomas, was not able to show up. And I was like, well, let me get used to the coach out there and let me get the hard part over and done with. Since I have, As you can tell, I'm fat and happy. I had to speed up my weight cut a week ahead. So I was like, let me get the hard part over and done with the flight and let me start training with KHK MMA here. One of the teams I was back with in 2015, worked with Eldar Eldorov, who was in my corner, the super lightweight champion of Brave. And, man, I've been in this hotel for a month. And the COVID restrictions here are extremely strict. Like, Bahrain got hit last month really, really hard with COVID cases. So they were saying, Shorty, the workout room is closed and the sauna is closed. And I'm looking at the guys like, dude, I I have to cut weight. What are you talking about? And they're like, okay, we have to schedule your stuff only at night because, you know, the the commission walks through. So I'm I'm sorry. Like, no one can come through. I'm like, all right, uh, what time at night? They're like, you need it twice. All right, 10 to 12 and 5 in the morning to 7 in the morning. And then the whole day was doing nothing, you know? So it was like. I'm pretty much back on American time. Uh, all right, this is interesting. <laughs> and then slowly, you know, the the restrictions slowly let up where now you could have like five people in a certain area and so many now, but it was it was hectic. But the worst part about it, and I'm pretty sure you guys know with Abu Dhabi, I mean, they probably treated you guys a little better because you had the whole island, but we're stuck here in the hotel. You can't do anything, and it's hotel food three times a day. It's almost like a fancy prison. Well, Shorty... I will tell you, when I was there in September, I was there for five weeks, and they had closed the entire area down. So it was basically they had, like, police barricades on two ends of the street, and there, so there were no people anywhere. So it was it, we could go from one hotel to the fighter hotel to the arena, and then we had about 50 yards of beach, and that was it. And then the next time we came in January, all of that was taken away, and we could only go from hotel to arena. So yeah, it was a five-star prison. It, it, and, and that's the thing, like you walk in, you're like, oh my God, this is so nice. And then it's like a trap. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, come into my van and help me find my puppy or come into my van and I have candy. And then you find out it's like a top layer of candy and the rest of it's just like wrapper. You know, like that's, yeah. that's pretty much how it was. It was uh, the five week one by week four, I was starting to lose my mind because I was tired of the hotel food and I was tired of seeing the same people every day. And I was tired of just the same one block that I could only go to. And then when we drove, then we had to get in a shuttle and they drove to the, the airport. And all the media was like, we saw a car and we were like, whoa. Because there were no cars either. It was all just golf carts everywhere. It was a trip, man. I'll tell you that much. Well, that, that's the messed up thing. So since I already had my coach here, I asked Brave, I was like, well, can I fly someone here for moral support? Because at the time, I'm still cutting down to the flyweight. So I was like, let me have someone here for moral support. I don't need a coach. Uh, let me let me fly my brother here. You know, maybe he can just be here, have fun, enjoy the trip. And literally maybe two days in, he's like, man, this hotel food sucks. 
I don't want to be here anymore. I was like, dude, I've been here for a month. You're stuck. It was a trap. Oh, such is life. How difficult was it to, if you mean, were they giving you healthy food to cut weight? I mean, or was it just whatever they, I mean, how, that seems, that seems very difficult. I'm sorry. I mean, well, it just, it's, it's crazy because it is, it was healthy food. Like mm-hmm. they would give you, you like unsalted chicken, vegetables, like steamed vegetables mm-hmm. and whatever. Like you had a small little menu that you can change technically every day, but it was, you know, it, it's almost like I had better cafeteria food in high school than I did here because I really do believe that they maybe ordered somewhere and they just kept it in the fridge and was just like, oh, you need chicken, uh, rice and some steamed vegetables. Oh, okay, here. Let's get it out of the fridge. Let's microwave it for you and then bring it downstairs. And you're just like, oh, great. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And like immediately my brother had it for three days and just he couldn't even just control his bowels. Me, I was like, dude, I've been doing this for a month and it is what it is. Maybe it's actually helped me make weight. But because my opponent was last minute, Brave was like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to make it 61 kilograms, pretty much 135 catch weight. And I was like, if he wants to make it, you know, 145, I'll take it. I don't care. Like, please, I'll take anything. Like, I don't want any type of handicap, and plus I don't have to cut weight. But it was, you know, I just made a post about it too. I tore a ligament in my foot, Oof. different catch weight, different opponent. I was expecting a BJJ guy. Then I had to face, you know, a brawler like myself, a pressure fighter. You know, didn't have my my head coach by my side that I really wanted, that I've been trained with this entire time. Dean Thomas um, was out here for three weeks by myself. Um, and then, you know, obviously after the fight, couldn't, couldn't walk, couldn't do anything, but it's, man, it's part of the journey. It's part of the adventure. And I'm not trying to have any, any mental strain mess up myself. I did that once with Alex Perez. I did that another time, you know, my father passed away and then there's so much things with mental health and that's why I just want to, I'm not, cause obviously I won. It's a fact of, I just want to show people that I'm still pushing through and I don't see why you can't do it either. It's really just all the perspective and how we, uh, you know, create that mentality. Is it still part of the tournament? Yeah, yeah, and that's that was the the fortunate thing because it was so last minute. They go, shorty, you can take the buy or you can take a fight, but the yeah. fight might be at a catch weight because it was it was literally a five day notice. You know, I doubt any guy, especially at the small weight class of flyweight, is gonna make weight. I had one guy from Kazakhstan back out, and then Blaine was like. I can take it at 57 or at 125, but that's, you know, possibly April 1st. And that card was already stacked. I'm like, dude, I'm main event already. And I, I want to stay main event given I got bumped down, damn you, brave. But I got bumped down to co-main event. And I was like, I'll take it at 61. That's perfectly fine with me. One, I don't have to cut weight. And two, I'm just happy to fight. Like, I'm not trying to go and get the buy, you know, train for days and days and days, leave my mother home alone and, and not be able to fight. Like I want to make this worth it. Even if I lose, it's still worth fighting because it, it there's some type of resume, but overall, man, I'm just happy I got to fight. Scientific. <laughs> Is that gas? <laughs> Honestly, I really do believe he's my doppelganger. I'm probably like the best category of his mini me. Like if, if we can do like an Austin powers, mini me segment, I would be that. Between you and Nazarak Hackparaz, both of you and, look and, just like Dude, I, but like I'm so much smaller than both of them. So it, it mm-hmm. just, it looks even, it legit looks like his mini me. We can sing, you know, songs like in Austin Powers. We can do it. You got you to gotta do it like one of those little Russian dolls thing where, you know, we. Yeah, well, I was going to say. <laughs> you got inside so, each one. Yeah. The, <laughs> you're in the middle. Like, like Kelvin fights at 185, Nazareth fights at 155, and Shorty fights at 125. So it's all 30 yeah. pounds apart. It's, it's like it's like a Pokemon <laughs> evolution. The only problem is 
everything will change, but the head will stay the same size. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say, the head, the head size, and the beard. But anyway, you guys know yeah. the drill, Shorty. You got, you know the drill. Ask whatever questions you want to ask. We have an actual fighter on this time, so if you have any other fist fighting questions, you can ask him too. But Shorty knows the drill. He'll he, he'll talk about anything. I was like, I might not be the best fighter if you look at my eyes. <laughs> so wins a win. The first question I'm going to bring up is actually a question. It was our final question from last week's A-side, but we're Ooh. going to answer it today. <laughs> Waff Dog in the YouTube comments says, Stipe get an immediate rematch if he loses. So obviously this question was last week before the fight happens. He has since been knocked unconscious by Francis Gano in round two. He was, as many people labeled, the greatest heavyweight of all time, held pretty much every UFC heavyweight record, like most wins, most bonuses, most title defenses, two-time champs, so on and so forth. It was hard to say he didn't deserve a rematch if he had lost, but the way he lost and the violence in the way he lost and the fact that Francis Ngannou is already talking about Derek Lewis and John Jones, same as Dana White, probably means Stipe's not getting the immediate rematch. But, Shorty, does Stipe deserve an immediate rematch after that loss? Is he going to get it? 100, uh, let me say that, 98% no. They're already mentioned, like, they have even mentioned Stipe in the rematch. I believe he deserves a rematch because it's 1-1. I think it's only fair. I, I get Conor McGregor's a, you know, a high-selling guy, but he got dominated the last fight, too, and they're automatically saying, let's set up for the third fight, let's set up for a trilogy and make this rematch, given, yeah, that's not for a title, it's possibly a title contender shot, but that should be the same for the champion. He beat Ngannou. Yeah, defend. I believe he defended it again against uh, DC, and then he ended up losing to Ngannou. It's only fair to be able to get that rematch. He lost to to DC, was able to eventually get a rematch after DC defended the belt. You know, obviously he was working, going through injuries, whatever the case may be. He came back and ended up getting his own knockout. And then they got a third fight, and then he ended up winning the decision again. So I believe it's only fair to have the greatest heavyweight of all time redeem himself. And then after that, let him do what he wants to do. The only problem is with Stipe is he does live and have a full-time job with his family, being a fireman, going through possible injuries, whatever the case may be. So if you are if you do give him the Stipe rematch, it might be a very, very long time until he fights again, possibly towards the end of the year. But the John Jones fight, I think, is the fight that everyone wants to see. I know I definitely want to see. Derek Lewis is no offense to Derek Lewis. I mean, I would take eight million too. But I mean, that <laughs> first fight that they had just wasn't exciting. So, is it enticing? No. Does anyone really believe that Nagano Lewis two will be just like Nagano Lewis one? I don't. I don't think anyone believes that. I mean, yeah, it, it sucked, but that, 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 was, that was that was an anomaly. Derek Lewis of, of a bad back, and Francis Ngannou just still mentally kind of shattered from the Stipe loss right before that. But I, still, I mean, I, I, I get it. I really do. But there was one thing that hindered both of them, is that they both had knockout power, literally one-punch knockout power. And that's what you know made them kind of both like, man, I got a bad back, or man, I'm so mentally weakened from you know my last fight. That one shot, you know, even if it wasn't a big shot or a knockout shot, can have more of an impact in the long run than, you know, something that if they win in their 100% start brawling. Honestly, I don't see it as an exciting fight. Um, John Jones, to me, is, is possibly the, you know, let me rephrase that, is definitely the bigger draw, but, you know, he wants he wants more money for it. Yeah, John Jones, France, and Ghana is a massive fight. 
I think if they sell that right, that could do a million pay-per-view buys, maybe. I don't know, but that's the fight everyone wants to see. I agree with you. Okay, but how about this, though? You know, you, we said Stipe's going to be out for a while. When Stipe uh, lost to DC the first time, got knocked out, he was out for a while, but his first fight back was for the title. When Stipe does come back, so it may come back in a year, nine months, I'm sure Francis will fight in between that time. Does he still get, say, the winner of uh, Nagano versus Jones or Nagano versus Lewis? Or does Stipe have to go I, to the I, back of the line type of thing? I, I think that's really only fair, you know, give, and he's an older gentleman too. Again, he does a lot behind the scenes, obviously a fireman working a full-time job doing his thing, so thank you for your support, man. But it's a fact of he should be, as, as he is, the best heavyweight in its history. You know, so being able to come back to have that uh, immediate rematch whenever he is ready, cool, let's have this John Jones fight, possibly the Derek Lewis fight, whatever's first, and then after that, face the winner. I would love to see him fighting Ngannou next, even though it is, again, a very, very scary fight. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a fight that he wants, that he definitely wants to redeem and knows he can beat him because he's beat him once before. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can do it again. Yeah, I, de- I, mean, I, definitely, I definitely feel Steve A deserves an immediate rematch, but deserves and... <laughs> UFC matchmaking never, very rarely go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know what. It's, it's, I have. I imagine Steepy won't fight till next year anyway. So the whole heavyweight division could be completely different by the time he comes back. Anyway. Cool, thank, thank you for the you. question, Waff Dog. From, from last, last week. week. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, let's get to the big news. Ngana versus Jones, Jones versus Dana. Will it happen next? And if so, how will it pay out? And what's your take on the whole Jones versus Dana situation from Greb77 on the site? So, yes, uh, I'm sure everyone saw as soon as the fight happens, Dana White was saying, if I'm John Jones, I go far away from heavyweight. I dropped 185, this and that. John Jones obviously saw it and was live tweeting the press conference at Dana White. Dana White then responded to John Jones during the press conference and called Hunter now, Hunter Campbell, of course, is works for the UFC, kind of does all the matchmaking. He seems to be the, not all the matchmaking, but he's the liaison between Jones and Dana White, I imagine, because John Jones and Dana White kind of have an issue. Now, then John Jones came out and said, cut me, release me if you don't like me. I feel insulted, saying he wants at least $10 million to fight Francis Ngannou, wants mm-hmm. to fight, wants to know his worth. Dana White hasn't really said anything since then. Uh, John's pretty much been one-sided. John Jones throwing accusations at Dana White and all this. So, Shorty, what do you make of this whole John Jones versus Dana White part 50 at this point? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's damn good marketing. You know, you look at, at, at Dana White, immediately after every press conference, whatever he says gets publicized. And those fighters immediately come back and hashtag this, hashtag that, you said this, you said that, bleep, 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 whatever the case may be. And now the fans are enticed to watch this fight when by the time it finally happens. You look at when it started happening with Mazadol. All the fighters started to, to support Mazadol out of nowhere. Oh, he deserves this fight. He deserves more money. He deserves this. And then he takes a fight and given, I know, last minute, he didn't perform at his best. And hopefully he performs a little better coming up with the Kamara rematch. But you know, I think John Jones deserves it. He is literally one of the best champions in his history. I think of the, the, the longest reigning champ without losing. And moving up, again, he's been doing the training camp. People want to see this fight against Francis Ngannou. I believe he deserves $10 million. I believe almost all fighters in MMA generally deserve more money than what they make, especially when you compare it to boxing. You know, I think there was that one photo of Canelo making $30 million in like 30 minutes compared to Donald Cerrone fought the same day for the same amount of time and made 300000 
and Canelo fought like, and Canelo wasn't fighting a top ranked guy. Like he was just fighting, you know, yeah. top fifteen guy. Yeah, he wasn't like yeah, fighting was, the best. Just a, yes. guy. just a guy. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh man, why? Why is there such a big difference? And Jones knows what he's worth. You know, if it was you know some lower down fighter, and this is not even to like bash Leon Edwards, but Leon Edwards is nowhere near you know, marketable compared to John Jones. Obviously Jones has the belts, multiple title defenses and, you know, all these all these things behind the scenes that create drama and want, you know, people to see. If Leon Edwards or other people said that, yeah, no offense, man, you know, wait, wait your turn. But John Jones is John Jones. He knows his marketing ability. He knows how to promote himself. And I think he one hundred percent deserves this. Plus, it's gonna get the fans enticed so much more. He's arguing with Dana. He's gonna try to prove the point against Francis Ngannou. Can he beat the bigger man? And I think scientifically, technically, I think Jones has every single ability to knock out, you know, or not even to knock out, but to tap out Francis Ngannou. It's just Ngannou has that one-shot knockout power, which that was the scariest thing with the first Stipe fight of you just never know what's going to happen in all five rounds. I think John Jones would beat Francis. I would favor John Jones over Francis for sure. Casey's shaking his head. <laughs> I think John Jones is why, the why, best 205 so ever. He's not, I don't think he's the best heavyweight. We've seen a heavy John Jones when he bulks up and he fought OSP, that is not, that is not, I, I just think John Jones won't be fast enough. He's not going to be strong enough. And I think it's a, it's a good match. Obviously it's going to be a tough fight, but I still favor Francis over every single person in the world right now. So Francis got dominated by Stipe for five rounds. He got 50, 45 from one fight. And then Francis knocked him dead in the second fight. So it's two completely different dominant performances. And like one, as you said, mentally broke Francis and took his soul. After 25 minutes, his soul was not taken. And then another one, and then while well, his soul was taken because then he forgot how to throw a punch in the second fight, he had to relearn how to throw a punch, and then he knocked out Curtis Blade. So, and then we see Stipe get decapitated. So two completely different performances, but two completely dominant performances from two individuals. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying, I did, but I, did, I disagree. I disagree with the first one. I disagree. Let me, let me let me finish the question first. I understand, and I would favor Francis in the rematch, but I want to know why people are disregarding Stipe's first win. Stipe won, very, like, he won. He 50-45'd him and then got knocked out in the second fight. People saying Stipe, Francis walks right over Stipe again and th if they do a trilogy fight. I just want to know why people are forgetting the first fight in this, in this regard. Shorty, I'll start with you. Everyone always thinks of the now. They forget everything from the past. If you look at Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva being one of the greatest champions ever. But people forgot he got scissors swept to a heel hook. You know, it's one of those things that you forget. You forget he broke his leg against Chris Weidman because you look at what he did that was so great. And you look at his last few fights, even though they weren't the best, they were fan entertaining. You know, Israel Adesanya, all these other guys, they were fan entertaining fights. So when you look at the now, that's what people pay attention to, especially the average fan. No one... No offense to the average fan, but not everyone has UFC Fight Pass and is looking up the old fights and enjoying a good time and remembering John Jones when he did this or Stipe when he did that. Plus, Stipe's first fight, even though it was a dominating one, to the average fan, it was a boring one. It was a wrestling match. There was no submission attempts. There were no you know, drops or knockdowns, at least on Stipe's part. It was just mm -hmm. all wrestling. Now, if you look at it, though, John Jones, he has the pedigree. He has the resume to easily out-wrestle. I think if we look at it now, if John Jones were to fight Stipe, I think John Jones would kill Stipe. 
And I think it would almost be the same thing with Ninganu. It would just take a little longer and a little more strategy because John Jones is longer. I believe he's taller. And with that length, it's going to is a whole different game. And John Nautico with some of his fights uh, in the past few, he's picked his shots appropriately. He's picked some very, very smart fights. You look at his last one with Alexander Gustafson around the same height, reach, and all that, and he just dominated it. So if he really studies and prepares for this fight, like I know he is, I think that's just pure domination for, for John Jones. Uh, Casey, we talked a lot, like the big storyline between Francis Steve or Stipe Francis 1 and Stipe Francis 2 was the improvements that Francis made, which we clearly saw, stuff to take down, uh, got some ground and pound, was throwing those hooks in when Stipe turned his back. One, fair and square. Improvements clearly made, new coach and everything. Why aren't we saying what are the why aren't we saying what are the adjustments Stipe makes if they do a third round fight? This is what I'm trying to like. People just kind of assume Francis will win, which is fine. I would favor Francis in the, in the trilogy. But why aren't we giving Stipe this same benefit of the doubt on making adjustments between fights? And why can't he win the trilogy fight? Why are we just writing him off right away? Because Francis was basically, uh, in terms of fighting years, he was a kid in that first fight. It was like sure. he was only, what, I think three or four years into the sport. His first kind of real true main event I, did he even main event before that? No. Uh, yeah, so he had no main events, no five-round fight experience at all, and it was a giant jump up in competition. I think before right. that he had knocked out over him. Is, over was him. Over, yeah, yeah, he knocked out over him in the first Anna round. Lasky. Over him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as, like, let's go top, top, top yeah. tier, you know, A-level at the time, A-level, even, even at the time, A-level heavyweights in our loss, and, and um, over him was one. And, yeah, I just feel... Nagano was just, just he was a kid in the sport at that time and now um he just he's just a much better fighter much more mature fighter much more controlled fighter and now he has truly found a, a great camp that understands him and, and works with him that camp he had with Derek Lewis um he he was at syndicate that time and that just that match just didn't work out you know syndicate's a great camp with John Wood and their coaches down there but that just relationship didn't work out and that was a one fight thing and they moved on and um, Francis Ngannou is just a much better fighter. Now, can Stipe make the giant adjustments between yeah. the two fights? I don't That's, think so. I think, I think Stipe, he's, he's too far into his career. He's, what, 38, 39? I don't think there's enough adjustments Stipe can make to defeat Francis. So what's the, what's the difference but this, between But this is like, like saying, but it's like what, what I'm talking about, like, 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 I think of this as almost like when Amanda Nunes lost um, to, uh, what's her yeah. name? Huh? Yeah, I mean, no, no, before that. Uh, Julia? Did she fight Julia? No, uh, she, she, she. Regardless. She lost in Evicta. She lost in Evicta. She got, she, got, she got grinded out for three rounds. That was back when she was still with MMA Masters, you know? She was still young mm -hmm. in the game. She hadn't had big fight experience. Now, if they re Sarah D'Elio, that was it. So uh, she got, Amanda Nunes got dominated for three rounds by Sarah D'Elio. Mm -hmm. If they fought again, Amanda Nunes would win 99, no, 100 of 100 times. No, I understand That's that. Why and I'm not saying, yeah, and I'm not saying, I, I clearly favor, I favor Francis in this. If they'd fight again, I'm picking Francis 100%. I'm just saying, why aren't fans, my question was, why aren't fans, like, Stipe got knocked out by DC in the first round, made adjustments, and then knocked out DC. So I'm just saying, like, I'm wondering why fans aren't giving Stipe the benefit of the doubt. I favor Francis, but we've seen Stipe make adjustments. We've seen Francis make adjustments. 
I'm wondering if Steve can make adjustments. We've seen, I, I think I think because we've seen Francis get better every fight. Mm-hmm. with his losses and Stipe we kind of know who he is we know what he's doing sure. like like the Stipe that fought DC the second time that wasn't to me a better Stipe that was just a Stipe that understood what he was who he was fighting better you know like like when we, we asked him like I, I remember I, when I asked uh I asked uh, Stipe you know after the second fight um he said like, you were taking a lot of big punches in that fight the same punches that knocked you out in the first time and Stipe just said well, I was expecting this time. Now I, I, I learned from my mistakes. And I, but I think for Stipe to beat Francis, it's not learning from your mistakes. You just, I think Stipe just needs to be a, a, a much better heavyweight. And, I, and it sounds like I'm talking, I'm talk, talking crap on Stipe. It really does. But, but I'm not. Because <laughs> Fran- the greatest heavyweight ever, and he has to be a better heavyweight. Yeah, because I think Francis Ngano is the best heavyweight. It's, yeah, he might be the greatest of all time, but... But today, whatever today is, Francis Ngannou beats every single person on the planet. Sure. And sorry, that's, okay. just, that's just how I'm I feel. And so, if Stipe is the second greatest person, second greatest heavyweight in the world, that's an unbelievably great accomplishment. Unfortunately, yeah, Francis Ngannou exists. So Again, I'm not talking crap. I agree, <laughs> I agree that I favor Francis. I'm just wondering why fans all of a sudden think Stipe can't make adjustments when we saw. Anyway, we talked about all this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> let's ask, let's get to the next question. Oh, wait, we didn't even answer uh, Jones-Dana situation. <laughs> yeah, Shorty answered it. Yeah. So, I did. Yeah. Go, hey. get, go get paid. Get gasoline, got it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Get, 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 Cruz get, get, get. O'Malley. Tristan Gordet. Thoughts on the possible matchup between Cruz and O'Malley? O'Malley wants to fight. It's the co-main event of Poirier McGregor 3. I'm not mad at it. Opportunity for O'Malley to break into the top 10 if a Cruz gets him closer to maybe sneaking back into the title picture. Shorty, this is your weight club. Well, not your actual weight class. You fought <laughs> well, at 135. I'm, 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 actually, I'm actually past this weight class right now. I was gonna say, like you're like you could probably fight Israel Adesanya right now, probably right. <laughs> I would I would fight Gaslam basically. There you it go. Be, anyway, it would be a treat to see who's who's the guy who should be called who. You you fought at 135 before you were a champ champ in another organization. So what do you think about Dominic Cruz, who many consider to be the greatest bantamweight ever, fighting Sean O'Malley? Chael Sonnen did say Dominic Cruz texted him that he wants Sean O'Malley. Dominic Cruz has since gone on Ariel Hawani's show saying, no, I didn't. That never happened. Uh, <laughs> really? Jose Aldo, yeah, Jose, oh. Aldo said, Jose Aldo just said he wants to fight Dominic Cruz, which I'm all for. So what do you uh, make of this whole Bantamweight scenario going on? Uh, the Bantamweight scenario is crazy. Again, it's a big drama show, uh, Triple G, big drama show. But it's the fact of <laughs> if this fight does happen, I'm going to give the slight edge to Dominic Cruz because, again, he is – you know he's he's a scientist, man. He all he does is watch fights for a living. He breaks things down, and looking at O'Malley's past few fights with the you know the possible injuries with the calf kicks, um, and his injuries pretty much everything below the waist. He's had problems coming in against higher level fighters, but Dominic Cruz against what was his last fight against Casey? Was it Casey Kenny? Casey Kenny, yeah, yeah. That was a very, very tough fight, a much tougher fight than I even expected. And again, that's just my high regard to to Dominic Cruz. It's not at all doubting Casey Kenny's ability, but Casey Kenny really stepped up that day and showed that Dominic Cruz is a little bit out of his prime. He is older. He is getting to that point, and this might be his last run up to the top. I think marketing-wise, it would be an awesome fight to see Dominic Cruz versus Sean O'Malley because even Sean's last few performances where he was able to get the knockout finish – he looks phenomenal. He's smooth. He's seamless. He's so flexible with his head kicks. He just throws whatever he needs to throw, and you don't really see it coming. But when you have another long opponent like Dominic Cruz, who's moving, can O'Malley hit that? But Dominic Cruz, again, picks his shots appropriately, does go for the takedowns, and I believe this would be more of a ground-contested fight, at least for me. I would, I would, even if I was a better stand-up fighter, O'Malley does have that one-shot knockout power, whether it's with his kicks or with his punches. I would go for the takedown, and that's what I see Dominic Cruz doing. Um, I would give the slight edge to Dominic Cruz just because of the past injuries O'Malley has and, and the experience level against the higher-level guys. Again, you look at Cheeto Vera. But I think that's a fun fight. You know, It's a fan fight to make, and especially right now, uh, the UFC's marketing, I think the fan fights are, are something that everyone wants to see. And, I think it'd be a, a respectable thing for Dominic Cruz to be a co-main event again. Would you say to Aldo versus O'Malley, considering Aldo just beat Cheeto, who beat O'Malley? 
and I, that, I think that'd be downgrading Aldo. And that's no offense to O'Malley. It's just you're moving way down in the rankings and you're just more fighting for popularity like, you know, Ben Askren versus Jake Paul or Logan Paul or whatever Paul that is, you know. So <laughs> it's the fact of Aldo's a champ, man, and he's only lost to the best of the best. So I don't see him at all should be fighting anyone below the top three, top five. Aldo deserves to fight the best of the best. And uh, and just even the legacy fight, I would love to see him fight Dominic Cruz. That would easily yeah. be the best fight possible, and that's a phenomenal co-main event. Cruz Aldo, I think, is the fight I would want just because, you know, two WEC vets, two people considered the two greatest at one specific weight class. Um, I wanted Cruz versus Frankie Edgar for years, but with Frankie Edgar coming off that loss, probably not going to happen right now. There's a lot of bantamweight fights happening, so I think we got to let this play, fight, these fights play out. Um, he's, O'Malley won't fight Kyler Phillips, their teammates. Mirab's out there, Cody Stamen, Jim Rivera, all those fights. Casey, what do you make of this? Um, no, I don't. I don't dig this fight. Not at this. Not at this point in their careers. Um, I mean, it's a good dude. Bantamweight is the best division in the freaking planet. So any any fight, be, like, is, you can't mess it up to be honest. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm just don't like Cruz O'Malley at this time. Although I love you no know, prospect versus vet fight. Um, yeah, I like Cruz Auto. Yeah, I, I still like Cruz Edgar. If that's if if you know, not as much anymore, but. I still like it more than this. Um, actually, I, I want to see O'Malley Vera again. I want I want to see that as a main event for fight night because that that has serious heat. Um, um, O'Malley can finally get that zero, you know, get get that loss back, you know, his you know his quote unquote loss. And um, and Vera, Vera has tweeted that um, you know, hey, let's run it back then, you know, tough guy. So uh, that's the fight I want to see because I you know I like storylines. So I don't I, think that fight happens at all anytime soon. I wouldn't hate it either, but I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, as uh, I know, Vera said he'll 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 run it back. As, as O'Malley said, he'll run it back. Well, O'Malley seems pretty indifferent to it because he's like, whatever. I won. He's like, I won right. already, or like, it's a no contest. <laughs> I just think O'Malley's still the bigger name than Marlon, and I think he understands that, so he just wants bigger names. Um, mm -hmm. But it is what it is. Uh, any of those fights are cool. Man, O'Malley, he's. As as long as as long as his body can be durable enough to fight top bantamweights, man, he's good. His he, striking, he's, he is he's good. A, he's very he's good. Really, really good. He's just you know rank alone. Obviously, he's had an unfair share of circumstances with body injuries. You can't do anything about it. You look at Dominic Cruz. You know, two mm -hmm. knee surgeries and coming back. You know, it's it's just part of the game. But I mean, you look at his Instagram. I think he has what like one point whatever million followers already, and he's I don't even think he's in the top ten. Like that's. Dude, that's He's not phenomenal. even top fifteen. So, yeah, exactly. Amali's not even top fifteen. No. Wow. Dude, but that gives him that gives him marketing when it comes to let's just call out anybody and the fans want Tyson that much more and that's why he's calling out Dominic Cruz and for him it's a smart thing and, and honestly it's a win win even if you lose a Dominic Cruz you lost to one of the best bantamweights of all time and maybe you just went up too fast and if you win you just beat one of the best bantamweights of all time and now you're possibly in the top ten top five you know going into whoever's next. So yeah. Marlon Vera sits at 15, and then I honestly, and then like the, so the top 15 to 10 is from the bottom up. Vera, Kyler Phillips, Cody Stamen, Mirab, Jim Rivera, Hop Alessunso wouldn't put O'Malley above any of those guys in the in rankings wise. So O'Malley's probably sitting 16. Uh, but yeah, it's Vanaway absolutely rules. Well, I think based on their his his uh, past wins, yeah, I wouldn't put O'Malley above those guys. But if you match them up. 
I, I, I could seriously see right. Mali winning right. beating Which, those yeah. guys. Yeah. But, but yeah, he just but has yeah, to get the opportunity away. to fight them. Mirab would be a they're not gonna give him Mirab anytime soon. Probably no, not Cody no. Stamen either. Just like no. crazy powerful wrestlers. Oh, it just yeah, because anyway. that's not that's not how the UFC works. They 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 they, they understand you know who the, the big name fighters are. Doo, doo, doo. Featherweight Mania from I can't see the name, oh. probably got cut off anyway. With Volkanovsky and Ortega from Matt Matt Bradbury on the site. With with Volkanovsky and Ortega being canceled and hopefully booked for the summer. What do you think the featherweight division will look like by the end of the year? Some points to discuss. The returners of beat Emmett, Yair, Zombie, and Cater. Allen versus Yusef. Polly being the next contender featherweight. Dan Ige is back. Barboza versus Burgos. Incoming prospects like Evlov. Evlo- well, who's it? Evlov? I don't know. Evlov. Uh, Mitchell, Chikadze, Dewadu, Topera, Ryan Hall. So, a lot of stuff happening in featherweight. Shorty, what do you make of uh, featherweight mania, as Mr. Bradbury put it? Man, yeah, there's so many. It's weird. Why are there so many featherweights just waiting on the side? Like, everyone somehow is injured, and then now everyone's coming back at the same time and and creating a fun, you know, spectacle of who's going to be next. Dan Ige, his last fight was that, what, that, like, five-second knockout? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yo, Danny no, 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 no. It wasn't five seconds. That's what DC said. It was like it was like 30 oh, yeah, seconds. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was like, wait, it was that long. Yeah, DC was like, yeah, three seconds. I was like, what are you talking about? You yeah, almost, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm just, I'm just as big as DC right now, so I understand his mindset. Yo, man, we, we see things in slower motion, but that's because my heart's beating too fast. Cholesterol levels. But no, man, you know, Danny Gay's been. Really, really productive compared to all these other guys. Yeah, they're high-level guys. You know, you have Green Zombie, you know, Zabi, Emmett, all these guys coming back. But Dan Ige's been there the entire time, and especially with that last, that 30-second, 5-second knockout, whatever you want to call it, somewhere in between. That just put on a show. I believe he deserves, I wouldn't say a title shot, but, um, you know, maybe a title contender shot or a shot to be a title contender shot against some of these guys coming back. And all these guys, yeah, I know they can't control these injuries and, and so be it, but they're inactive. All these other guys have been working again, like Dan Ige. So give him possibly one of those matchups. And whoever wins that possibly gets a title contender shot because that Volkanovski or Ortega fight, that has to happen. That is a phenomenal fight. And maybe something could be a co-main event to that coming up. Yeah, we don't know where Zabit is. Zabit is training in Russia and Moscow. A couple of the Russian media on Fight Island said Zabit, something was going on like fame. He like fame freaked him out for a bit. So he, he took a step back. Emmett is uh, recovering from injuries. You can go watch the interview on MMAfighting.com. He, He's what happened with the Casey? Like he had an injury and then he had to go back for another his, surgery or something. His, they found something else. Yeah, his knees are all messed up. He's just he's yeah. Just, so he's, he's just, probably not going to be back till next year. Yair, yeah. who knows? Did he's he got suspended for a USADA violation, but it wasn't that he tested positive. It was like three different locate. Like he didn't show up for the test or something, like that, or he wasn't where he was. Supposed he didn't to. update his phone thing whatever yeah so location it was like stuff. location thing uh zombie wants to return he'll probably i hope he fights danny gay cater probably still healing up after getting beat up by max and yeah and then like shorty said everyone is pretty much on the sidelines danny gay is been active so Ige zombie sounds good to me and then all those other fighters could just fight each other uh who is hakeem duwadu supposed to fight we're supposed to fight shane right and then i think hakeem duwadu pulled out isn't shane fighting 
Is no, Shane's Shane? fighting Barbosa, but Barbosa, I think the Wild yeah. pulled out of the original fight and they rebooked Shane Burgos against Barbosa. And Ryan Hall has a fight against somebody. Somebody. I can't yeah. remember off the top of my head. And then I think Shikazi's fighting Jeremy Stevens or called out Jeremy Stevens. So there's some bangers coming up for sure, Featherweight. And then Ryan Hall will talk about when he actually has a fight and he's in the octagon. Yes. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Two things in this comment. No mention of Max Holloway. I think people just accept that he's the number one contender. Oh, is that what it is? And yeah. and not mentioned here because it's obviously it's not UFC, but I just got to throw it out there. The best featherweight in the world is fighting this Friday. Bellator, yeah. main event. Mm-hmm. The best featherweight in the world. Is it Friday or Thursday? He's fighting, um, he's fighting Emmanuel uh, Sanchez. Emmanuel Sanchez. Yeah, right? uh, part of the... And, um, it's that's, the and, that's, and that's a rematch. That's a very, very good fight. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah semifinals. It's, it's the semifinals, and then the winner of that will face oh, AJ. AJ McKee. Woo! That's, that is exciting. So, uh, yeah. AJ McKee looked phenomenal his last fight, so this is just... It's one of those things that no matter who wins this one coming up, AJ McKee versus anyone is just... It, it's a thriller. Yeah, people are sleeping on Sanchez. Man, I, I'm picking Pitbull, but I think it's going to be a heck of a fight. And I think it, yeah. that's going to be Bellator's uh, Showtime uh, debut. And that's yep. going to be... Oh, perfect fight. Yeah, perfect, perfect fight. fight. Yeah. Debut. So I um, hope, hope people watch it. It's gonna, it should be exciting. Do, 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 do. Next question. I watched that last fight with our friend Oscar, and we were just, like freaking out over that crazy submission AJ pulled off. <laughs> anyway, MA Fighting's 2020 submission of the year. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question, Mr. Bradbury. Yeah, what, was it, what was that, like the full Nelson type of thing from guard? It was the Makia team. It's an old catch wrestling. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I did I did a video tutorial on it. You can go watch it yeah. on MMA Fighters' Instagram page. I'll, I'll send it to you, Jose. I, I'm the one that posted it. Oh, no, no, no there's it. two Jose's. I'll, 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 I'll send it to you, Cool Jose. Cool Jose. How about that? There's Cool yeah, Jose, and then you spelled my first name wrong. It did? Thank you. Yeah, you forgot the accent. I don't know where I don't know how to do the little accent thing on the keyboard. Option E E. Oh, oh, is that how you do it? Okay. Well, now I know. Yeah. See, I learned I learned things in MMA. Or all one through zero if you're a caveman <laughs> and use PCs. Anyway. He's he's a smart Jose. I'm the cool Jose. Yeah. There you go. I like that. Title shot guaranteed for Leon. Now that Edwards is facing Nate is the co-main event for UFC two six two. If Leon wins, you think he can still pat he can get still pass over for a title shot? Where the UFC picks Colby instead? It's an interesting question. So, as of last night, Leon Edwards has been booked against Nate Diaz in the co-main event of UFC 262. However, Shorty, I don't know if you saw this. For the first time ever, it is a five-round non-title fight co-main event. So, it will still be... It's a five-round fight with no title on the line, and it is still co-main event. For the first time in UFC huh. history. Yeah, exactly. So... I didn't, I didn't know you I would do that. This is an, it is unprecedented and uncharted water. The main event is obviously Michael Chandler versus Charles or Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. I'm not sure who's ranked higher, so apologies. Higher ranked fighters get top top billing. Um, I would imagine the winner of this fight will get a title shot because Colby is still doing Colby things. And if you win, like how are you not? If Nate beats Leon Edwards, what's Leon Edwards sitting at three right now? If Nate beats Leon Edwards and say Jorge beats Kamaru, well, then that would open the can of words of a trilogy fight, which would just <laughs> how would you not get like they want they would want Nate in that big money fight, and then if Leon Edwards beats Nate, he beats Nate, who's probably I would say him and Jorge Masvidal are the two most popular welterweights in the UFC right now in terms of fan interest, regardless of ranking. Shorty, right? Would you agree? I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with yeah. that. 
one a one b one and if you want to throw connor and welterweight that's fine but like how i would imagine yes the winner will be like targeted for a title shot and then the whole Kobe situation is there but uh shorty we just broke the news to you five round co-main event so i'll ask you this instead of 15 to 25 minutes who do you favor now between lane edwards and nate diaz i believe because it is a 25 minute fight now the later the fight goes i give it to diaz He's just one of those guys that he he goes up the pyramid, even though he gets beat up the first few rounds. And I'm going to give easily the first three rounds to Leon Edwards. It's pretty much like the Masvidal fight where Masvidal started to really started to piece him up. But I do believe if the fight was allowed to go longer, Diaz would have started to come back and do a little more, as I thought he was. But again, he got stopped and it is what it is. But this fight is a tough fight for both, you know. Nate Diaz is obviously going to try to get this fight down to the ground. Yeah, he's going to stand up. He's a prideful guy. And most of his takedowns are more like, all right, fine, I'll go for it. It's right here. Might as well take it. You know, he never, he's not really much of a shooter and not much of a grappler trying to, trying to bring you down. But Leon Edwards, you know, for the first few minutes before the eye pokes of Bilal Muhammad, he looked pretty smooth. He looked calm for having, was a year and a half, two year layoff in his return. Yeah. He looked smooth. He looked calm. He was picking his shots. And he just, he was appropriate. He never rushed anything. And I believe he's going to do the same thing with Nate Diaz. The only problem is Diaz doesn't care about getting hit. You saw that with Conor McGregor. You saw that with Miles at all. He's going to push the pace and kind of make this a very close brawl fight, like what he was trying to do with Conor McGregor the entire time, and even with Miles at all the entire time. But Leon Edwards, he has the length. He has a distance. I just, where, where's this fight going to be at? Is it in Texas? Houston, Houston Texas. Yes. Okay, so this is this is a regular size cage. Big, Yeah, big octagon. You know, so now Both if it was a small crowd. size cage and like the apex, that would be a more of a Nate Diaz type of fight. But now Leon Edwards has room to move, has room to box, kickbox, and use what he does. And he's he's not a bad wrestler himself. Obviously, when it gets down to the ground, I'm going to give the slight advantage to Nate Diaz just because that's his bread and butter. But overall, if it, if it's a five round fight, I'm giving this to Diaz if it makes it past round three. But Diaz is, dude, he's hard to finish. <laughs> he is extremely hard to finish. And hell, you can ask Mazadov, but. I do say the UFC is banking on both Diaz and Masvidal winning so they can make that fight rematch wow. and make it possibly a double belt thing where it's not just going for the welterweight championship, but it's also going for the BMF belt. Calling it. Calling it. Yeah, you're not wrong. And then Colby's just, Colby and Stephen Thompson can fight at some point. Stephen Thompson seems to be the forgotten man in this division. Poor Stephen Thompson. Poor Stephen Thompson. It's because he's so nice. I, I love the guy to death, yeah. but he's... You know, he, I think after the Bilal Muhammad fight, he's like, how about you fight me, please? That would be awesome. And that's sadly, at least this is like the attitude era in the UFC, like how WWE had it. Like you have to be just a mean type of person just to get something that you want. And sadly, you know, Thompson, even Leon Edwards is just kind of like, man, I'll, I'll fight anybody. No, okay, I'm just going to sit back here and just slowly, you know, disappear. So it's the fact of it's it should be great for him to get the Nate Diaz fight, but I don't believe it's for him. I believe this fight is for Nate Diaz to possibly get that title shot next and then create this huge drama show with whoever wins between Kamaru and Masvidal, I think they're hoping for Masvidal because that makes more of a drama. That makes more of an impact. Marketing, that would be fantastic. And then whoever wins that fight, Kobe's next. And that just adds more marketing to it. So the UFC is playing a really, really good game plan. It's just, it really all depends on, on Leon Edwards' performance. I think if, if Nate wins, he's going to look at the winner of McGregor, Poirier, or the winner of Usman, Masvidal. Well, especially if it's Masvidal. 
Because him, him and Poirier have beef. Him and McGregor have beef. Him and Masvidal have beef. Everyone has beef with Nate Diaz. <laughs> Me and Nate are cool. Yeah, we're cool because we're not fighters. <laughs> um, man, I got to give credit to the UFC on this one, though. This, after Leon poked Baha in the eye and that fight was no contest, you know, all the shows will go, what's next? Is there going to be a rematch? What's next? What's What's next? I don't recall anyone thinking, oh, well, clearly Leon Edwards is going to fight Nate Diaz next. I, I had heard I had heard that they but wanted But it makes sense. Nate, it makes sense. Yeah. I had heard they wanted Nate to fight Leon, but Nate is a pay-per-view guy now. Like he's not going to fight on the main event of a fight night. Like he wanted 5 rounds, but he didn't want to he didn't want an ESPN card. He wanted a pay-per-view. But then I don't know how you, I don't think Leon and Nate is a pay-per-view headliner right now. Like we all agree, it's a great fight. I agree. I disagree. Nothing, I just, yeah, we, we agree it's a great fight, but Leon is not a proven draw whatsoever. And yeah. this is a way to get eyeballs on the vacant title that Habib had, sold out arena in Houston, five rounds. I think it's just the perfect scenario. This is a perfect co-main yeah. event, and it's a perfect five-round fight. I think this is the real I main mean, event. <laughs> this is the I real main. This is the real main event because that title, the, the the title isn't between the top two guys. Dustin Poirier mm-hmm. is the is the best is the best lightweight in the UFC right now. He's not fighting the title, so they're fighting for the the Dustin Poirier belt. Yeah, they might. Yeah, that might as well be an interim lightweight belt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I what. mean, I mean, I know, I know there's not numbers because it was a fight night, but did Leon Edwards do anything for that fight night event? I mean, given I know he was fighting a last minute opponent, Bilal Muhammad, but Nate Diaz is making that co-main event. The only unfair thing is because it is a co-main event. Why the hell is it five rounds? And are they going to implement this for every card going after that? Or is this just literally a one fight type of thing? And if it is because it is five rounds, are they going to make some ultimatum of it's only five rounds because now it's a title contender shot. So that's the rule. If it's a possible title contender shot, these are five round co-main events. You know, this just helps Nate Diaz. And that's why I believe the UFC wants Diaz to win the fight. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Man. I hope five round type number one contender fights are more of a thing. I definitely hope, but but I hope, yeah, I, I totally agree with you for for top contender fights between two top five guys or even a big name like Nate Diaz. Five rounds is definitely the way to go. But cool, Jose, don't do you agree that if you are fighting um, a five round fight for a non title event, a non uh, for not not for a title, um, you should get paid more. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, okay. you're, you're, you're fighting a one and a half times more of the fight, you know? So it's, it's, you're, you're taking possibly, you know, again, a, a regular fight. People don't know are three rounds, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You're possibly fighting 25 minutes. Doesn't matter if it makes it, you know, past the first round or goes all the way the full distance of five. You should get paid like you're fighting a main event or at least paid like you're fighting a five round fight. Can you, can you just maybe for our listeners out there, um, can you explain maybe like how, how different it is training for 25 minutes versus 15 minutes 
right. Uh, I think the best and easiest way is for the average person is go run three miles outside and then do the same thing for five miles. Can you do that? <laughs> like that's easily the, the pace, best way yeah. I can describe it. Yeah, that's easily the best way to describe it is try to pick up the same pace. Depending on the opponent, you might have to change pace every single round. Depending on the opponent, you might have to increase the pace every single round or stay the same. Again, it could be the Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis fight and not really have a pace. Just kind of you know walk it the entire time. Sure. But it's the fact of it's an extremely exhausting fight and that changes the whole game plan. And me, I'm, you know, my first rounds usually I don't do anything. But five-round fights, I just get incrementally stronger. I push the pace as the fight goes on. So for myself, Diaz, um, um, Uzman, and some guys like that, they want a five-round fight. This is where we push because we know you're not going to last. You look at Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz, what, has gotten a Conor McGregor never got a knockout past the second round because he is a three-round fighter. He's a guy who pretty much puts everything into that first and second round because of his body type. He's explosive. He's fast. He's quick twitch. Compared to Nate Diaz, myself, Uthman, we're not we're not as athletic. So we use that conditioning to push the pace. So, man, it is a much longer fight, and depending on your style, my, my fight was only three rounds. I had two black eyes. I couldn't walk out to the fight. Just imagine if it were a five-round fight. It's exhausting. It's more damaging. And for people who don't know, like I might, you know, just medically, I'm out for sure from training at least for another month until my foot somewhat heals up to where I can move without, you know, uh, without shoes on appropriately. So that just, it, you know, it causes more damage. Five round fights take a huge toll on you depending on what it is. Robbie Lawler Condit fight, Robbie Lawler McDonald fight. I, I think Robbie Lawler versus anyone fight, you know, <laughs> that's five rounds. So it's 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 a fact, man. We we take a lot of damage. You look at Kobe Covington Usman, you know, that fifth round, that's where Kobe got finished, and that's where officially his jaw was done. So these fights, the longer they go, man, it's more damage, and I believe the longer they go, the more money us fighters should make in general. Thank you very much. Casey, do you remember the first non-title fight to be five rounds? That wasn't the main UFC? event. No, the first main, like the first, because oh. remember, because remember, forever yeah. non-title fights were still three rounds, even if they were the main event on the oh, fight the, nights. Oh, the first one. Ooh. Do you know the first fight to be scheduled for five rounds that wasn't a title fight for the main event? I don't remember. Shorty. Nope. No. You're close. No. It was. It is Mark Munoz and Chris Lieben in Birmingham, England, UFC 138. Was that the original matchup? Yeah. Yep. That was the original matchup too, huh? Yeah, that was a 130. That was a scheduled five round main event. Obviously, it didn't go five rounds. I yeah. believe Mark Munoz won. Was it a t Was it a doctor stoppage? I think or corner stoppage. I can't quite remember. And then the next fight, shorty, was Kane and JDS. I was the first Fox yeah, card, close. but that was a title fight. That was a title fight, yeah. Do you know the first title non-title fight to make it into rounds four and five? Because we just said Lieben and Munoz were scheduled for five rounds, but it ended in two. Do you know the first non-title fight main event to go four or five? I know because the image is burned into my brain when I watched it. Because it was See, I, it was made in face for living. So sure. I, Casey, I do you remember? Was, was it a was it a classic fight? Was it a fight? You were, yes. Oh. yes. Come on. No clue. No clue. I was right there. Hendo, Shogun Hendo won. Huh. I remember okay, I because after round three, after round three, they cut to Dan Henderson. And he held up four fingers. He goes, "We got two more. We got four rounds. But round four, baby." I remember that. That was 
No way. That was that it. Was the first fight to make it to rounds four and five. That was a non-title fight main event. And that was a main because event for it, a Fox card. Is that no? What that was the main event for a paper. That was the main event for a pay-per-view. That was UFC 139. Oh, that was a non-title fight for a pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah I forgot. Yeah. The co-main yeah. event was Vanderlei Kung Lee. Favor Brian Bowles was on that card. Campman Rick Story. Stephen Bonner fought someone. I think it might have been Kyle Kingsbury. Bader KO Jason Brills on the like the undercard. That fight card was insane. And that same day, the same day, the Alvarez Michael Taylor won. The, two two fight of the years on the same day. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, mean, I, I remember. Me- yeah, I remember they cut to Dan Dan Henderson after round three, and he held up the fingers. He goes, "We got two more rounds, baby," because it was the first time. It was the first non-title fight main event to go into rounds four and five. Fun fact. So now, Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz will be the answer to a trivia question moving forward. All right. Do, 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 do. Wait, did we, did we answer this? Hold on. Yeah, we did. That's pretty much the same question we just had. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh. Matt Maggio on Twitter. We can't answer this. Yeah, sorry. Thoughts on Nathan Diaz versus Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, my guy. As an own contender fight at 170, who does the five-round five favor? Yeah, that's pretty much the exact question we just answered. Shorty's saying five rounds favors Nate. Uh, And do we think non-title fight five rounds will stay? I hope for for number one contender and and contender fights for sure. Well, that's what I want to bring up. Um, They're only going to stay if the UFC pays up. So, yeah, if the UFC pays, I'm sure Leon Edwards and Nate are getting paid as if it's a main event, you know, but if these guys are doing five rounds for non-main event fights, hope they, they need to get paid like their main event fights. If, if the fighters are smart, because, man, some fighters are prideful and they're just like, I'll take it. I don't care. I'll take it. It's definitely the, <clears throat> there goes my bottom. It's definitely the manager's job to make sure that these guys get paid because as a fighter in general, I, I'm more than happy with five-round fights. I honestly believe every fight fight should be a five round fight but that's just because i'm a conditioning freak and i'm more than happy to take the fight mm-hmm. even later and i just like putting on the show but man no yeah we, we need to get paid just imagine getting beat up for 15 minutes and then somebody goes two more rounds it, it's kind of like what was it raquel pennington versus amanda nunez and she's like yeah. i want out and the coach is like no you're back in there dude that sucks <laughs> so yeah just picture that man yeah if, if there's anything that's gonna hurt a prize fighter's bank account more it's pride <laughs> pride That's will, hurt, pride will hurt your will kill your bank account Nate Diaz when this was years ago on one of his other tirades this is back when Ariel was still doing the MMA hour I, I believe Nate was on and he went kind of hard in the paint on fighters like Cowboy that'll just fight whoever for whatever because like Nate's trying to fight for his worth and if there's always a cheaper option for someone that will fight and still get fan support he goes that's what's hurting us right now. Fighters are like, oh, you want, you don't. I want ten million. Oh, well, this guy will fight for one million, and he's just he's just as popular. So I remember that's, that. That's the point yeah. of the fighters' union. It's like, dude, we gotta kind of stick together. That's why it was so awesome when Masvidal was like, oh, we're independent contractors, but we're exclusive to the UFC, or we get paid this, paid that. Everyone was like, yeah, and then he ended up getting his paycheck and kind of forgot about everyone else. And we're just like, oh, okay, this was more of a selfish thing. Damn. Uh, yeah. We're still here, you know. So with Nate Diaz, Masvidal, Usman, Colby, especially those guys in that whole area, Poirier is one of the guys that's been marketing. Obviously, McGregor kind of started off for this whole UFC era. We need to get paid more, 
And if we say no, yes, it sucks, but it doesn't look bad on us. It doesn't make us look scared. It's, dude, we're getting paid for what, what it's worth. And what was that documentary that just came out um, that one of the fighters, you know, back in the UFC days is now facing, like, you know, Parkinson's and then has disease and all that stuff. Like, there's, dude, we, especially my style, like, I get punched in the face uh, multiple times. Hell, when I fought Alex Perez, I think I got punched a hundred and some times in like three minutes, you know, and half of that, or excuse me, like 90% of it was to the head, you know? So it's one of those things that we take damage. I might not face it right now, but you know, I might face in the future and we need to get paid for it. Sign those union cards, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jordan Boxy. That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. We've had, we've had the hour mark. Do you want to, I mean, just, um, did we get any- if there's any hot questions that we haven't hit. Oh, you know what? I want to talk have- real quick. We we'll uh, get one more. We got a couple more real quick. Cage Canvas. Oh, yeah. Bruce Wayne on the on the, on the the site. Something Alzo mentioned during fight week was him not being able to get a good grip on the canvas. He felt he felt like he was sliding. Alzo isn't the first UFC fighter to mention this recently, and it's something I've noticed while watching fights a lot. Guys falling down or sliding during the action because the UFC changed the way – they make the canvas. So actually, I believe Aljo's reasoning was, if anyone sees, they spray kind of disinfectant on the cage between fights because of like COVID reasons and everything, which is another argument that we don't have to get into right now. But I think that was his reasoning. Like the the protocols they're taking, the stuff they're putting on the canvas made it slippery. I noticed it in the Aljo fight, but I really noticed it in the Megan Anderson fight. The versus Amanda Nunes, she takes that step and her foot just keeps sliding and her kind of knee hyper extends and then she gets punched in the face and then she's slipping around. Yes, she got punched in the face. You can say that's why she was slipping. Even before that, her her foot just didn't stop moving. Like she just kept sliding along. So uh Shorty, as a fighter, what do you make of uh Aljo saying the cage is a little slippery right now? Or that canvas is slippery. I mean, I can see the reasoning behind it. I mean, I know, obviously, I'm not in the UFC anymore, but with Jillian Robertson having a fight, <laughs> I, I can't remember who she. Yeah, I was like, I don't. That's terrible. Um, she she had a fight recently, and after her fight, dude, both her knees because she was shooting so much was just bloody. Like she won her fight, her face is perfectly fine, but her knees are just full of blood because it was just those knee scrapes of how many shots she took, and and that was like the biggest injury. It was freaking disgusting. It looked like she fell off a scooter on the pavement it was just you know one of those injuries as a kid so those canvases are really really rough and you have nothing but grip and it's amazing because brave just switched over those as well and it's i was like oh hey i got grip but i can't move anyways damn torn ligament but if you have water on it and you're spraying this constantly between every single round that's that's just in a sense moisture constantly there and yeah you want to get your 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 feet a little wet to get a little more grip but you're pretty much fighting on old puddles that randomly, you know, kind of go up every time you step on it. So I can see that excuse with Megan Anderson. I can see that excuse with Aljo. I can see that excuse with almost every fighter, especially having, you know, a very aggressive wrestling style like Aljo or a very aggressive power striking style like Megan Anderson. If you have no grip in your feet, there goes your footing, there goes all your power. So I can see that being an excuse. And obviously COVID, they're just trying to disinfect it, even though there's blood on the mats and saliva and urine and poop that mm-hmm. one time in the UFC card. You know, so it's dude, it's not chocolate. That's doo-doo, baby. You know, so it's one of those things that, you know, I can see that being a legit excuse, but 
you know, that's, that's also part of the fight game where you kind of have to be like, all right, this area is wet or I might not have the grip that I want. Well, no offense. You're not the only one having that problem. Your opponent's facing the same exact thing, and he's adapting with it perfectly fine. Obviously, look at, um, you know, Peter Jan. I doubt his knee slipped because of, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a wet mat. <laughs> Peter Jan. grip to throw it. Peter Jan so, should have said that. Oh, my knee slipped. That's why I hit you in the head. Yeah, Sorry. The <laughs> They're sanitizing damn COVID. I blame COVID. He obviously had the grip to throw that knee. So there it goes. Amanda Nunes had the grip to throw her power punches, so they adapted well enough, and they had the proper balance well enough to go, all right, I, I can't really do what I usually do. I have to move and, and change my game. If they did it, then why can't you? I see a small excuse, but excuses nonetheless. I always thought the UFC canvas is actually super, you, you've had this super rough. Like, like I've seen super rough. super rough. And you know the reason why that, that, that special canvas is not – it's solely so they can wipe up blood and things off the canvas easier. Whatever that canvas is, it's so they can clean up other things, uh, like the blood, especially because for broadcast reasons. So because, you know, when there's a bloody fight in the first round, they, they try to get as, mo as much of it off. So when they go to, you know, on Fox or back then, you know, Fox or ABC next week, there's not just as much blood on the canvas from previous fights. That's why that, there's that special kind of really grippy canvas because apparently the blood comes off easier. What a weird I thing like to talk about. Family channels showing the UFC. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. A Disney owned family. Like I get that ESPN and all that's owned by Disney, but like literally a program designed about family is showing bloody fights. Like, oh right, yeah, you know, you guys do you. <laughs> but no cursing, no cursing, guys. <laughs> well, I'm surprised they didn't try to. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try to edit a lot of the old promos or fights or whatever on, uh, like ESPN Plus, like. The whole controversy right now with like WWE is now on Peacock, which I think is NBC's streaming service, and they're going back and editing promos that don't that don't fit their image. So like a lot of Attitude Era stuff is being uh, edited down and watered down, which is another argument because a lot of that was horrifying back then. It is still horrifying now. Oh, the UFC, well, the UFC edits the, the, the UFC edits their their fights when they rebroadcast re them. If you well, watch, watch the watch Habib Connor. The rebroadcast? Right. No, no, no. Yeah. I meant more like uh, like press conferences and stuff, if they want to rewatch those and stuff. Oh, like just now? Yeah. yeah, like even non-fights. Do, do, do. All right. Uh, we're going to fly through these because we're at an hour. Wait, Quickies. All right. So just real quick ones. What's scarier sight? France throwing a head kick or Francis sprawling? Shorty? Oh, Francis throwing a head kick. Anything getting hit is by Francis is just, yeah, no, it's scary. No, to Casey, me, real Francis sprawling. Because like, right, oh, I have no right. no path to victory. <laughs> With the odds coming out of Jones Francis, it appears that Jones would be an underdog for the first time in a very long time. If he were to put away Francis, it's the goat debate over. Surely this surpasses what GSP did. Uh yes. If Jones wins the heavyweight title over Francis, I Jones is a clear number one in my mind. Shorty? I agree. I agree with the smart Jose. It's Dude, Jones doing everything he's done already, now beating literally the scariest person in the world right now in France Ngannou, the heavyweight champ. Yeah, no, that would make him the best by far. I think Jones beating Francis is a bigger deal than GSP by beating Michael Bisping. Just my two cents, though. Uh, Shaheen and Chuck, uh, former colleagues, of course, uh, Shaheen Al Shadi and Chuck Mendenhall said John Jones should make his contract negotiations with the Francis fight public via Twitter, whilst DC and Hawani believe it would be a very bad idea for him to do that. What are your guys' opinions? Well, 
making it public would probably be better for fighters uh, because it would, you know, make this up. It would put it all out there to show how the UFC views their fighters. While if they do it privately, it would probably be better for John Jones because they could come to an agreement away from the spotlight, which I'm sure the UFC would want. But Shorty, what's better, airing it out publicly or keeping it private? I'm a team player, so I say publicly because us fighters, even myself in general, need to know how to negotiate, need to know what to look forward to, especially if you're outside the UFC trying to make it in and you have a resume to know, man, this is probably at least, I might not be at that level, but this is something I could work towards too and grow with that. If you make it private, it's like the whole Masvidal thing. You're not really helping anybody. You're just helping yourself. Dana, Dana White wants everything private and he knows how to make a lot of money, so... Making it private makes more money for Dana White. So yep. make it make it public, fighters. Make it public. But everyone MMG needs to make 2K it public. 20. Everyone. Thank you for the questions, MMA. MMG2K20. He also says he agrees with Casey and oh, Beatty yeah. having AK. Cool. Missed that one. Oh, okay. The, the, you saw um, Cool Jose. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Robertson. Um, Jillian? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's your. She, you trained her. You trained her, right? Yeah, teammates. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch the fight? Sadly, sadly, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, I'm sadly teammates with her. But yes, I watched. Oh, that's sad. Sorry. No, I thought she fought. I mean, she fought. It was a good fight. You know, unfortunately, she lost for her for you. But mm-hmm. um, what did you think of the second round? Two judges gave that round to Miranda, and I thought that was ludicrous. Against uh, Miranda Maverick, this last yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's sorry. That, that's what that's what me and AK were debating over the second round of that that card. Yeah, I thought that was one one immediately leading into the third round. Again, Jillian held the back pretty much the entire round. I think it was at least three and a half minutes. At least, yeah. And then you know she stood up, and yeah, she had a small rally at the end. But that's the bad thing. It's kind of like what they tell people in boxing: hold off until the last thirty seconds and throw a rally because then now you're gonna win the round. That's the last thing the judges remember. It sucks, and these might be more boxing judges than MMA judges, but that just shows the quality of people in Vegas right now because we've seen some really scandalous scorecards the past few UFC cards during this whole pandemic. So, yeah, it, it's a bunch of crap, but, again, it is what it is. Miranda Maverick was able to get, for sure, two rounds out of the three. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought Miranda won the fight, but we were talking about that second mm-hmm. round in particular, how, like, two judges didn't give that to Jillian somehow. I'm like, what? But so if you're wondering yeah, I think what Jillian that... in the fight, too, she was just, like, watching oh, the scorecard. Like, th- like 30. What? <laughs> yeah, that's all. Cool, cool. Um, hold on, let me let's play the going home music. Going home music, shorty. Thank you so much for joining us. This was his first A side in twenty twenty one, Casey. Oh, I just want to say so, I still don't have my crystals. And this has been like what a two year thing. Been- okay, Jessica Crystal Crew, if you're watching, because you're always watching, message shorty. Figure out how to get him some crystals. This is an important like. For- Forget everything else you got going on in your life. Prioritize this. Send sort of some crystals. You can replace that chain with a crystal chain anyway. Shorty, what do you got to say before we sign you off? I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for all the love and support, and that's why I say we can do well. Together, we are Team Shorty. For people who check out my Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres, right now on the link in my bio, a graphics bar, I am selling a Goku Shorty-style T-shirt. 100% of the sales, domestic sales, go to my foundation, which helps keep kids, teens, and young adults inside the gym and off the streets, whether it's donating gear, sponsoring fighters, and just giving them an opportunity to find male uh, father figures, mother figures, mentors, and positive role models. Guys, I appreciate the love and support. And again, 
again. Team Shorty, thank you so much, guys. We will 100% have you back on. Hopefully, you get back to the U.S. safely. Casey, what do you got to say? Oh, Good luck with your vaccine. I was wait, I'm grabbing my... Um... Balloon? Yeah, balloon time. Balloon. Happy second COVID vaccine for Casey. We'll be back tomorrow, and you can watch. You guys want to watch a murder? You can watch me versus Jen Mishu on Between the Lakes. See you then. Thank oh, oh. I thought you were going to say me devouring my food. <laughs> there you go. Hey. Right, there you go, Shorty. Jesse Crystal Cruz. Oh. Boom. When you guys figure out, figure out what crystals he needs first, because it's got to be specific. Brian Kelleher is all about the tiger's eye. If you want the tiger's eye showed, you can join the team. But you got to tweet about it all the time during fights. <laughs> We're out. See you next Wednesday. Peace. I'll miss you guys. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.